What's the quote I can clip here where people are like, oh my God, this guy's crazy. <laughs> I mean, at, at, at some point, you know, my job is to get rid of my job. My job is to, is to simplify packaging and, and reduce and, and eliminate packaging where necessary. And but I don't think my job will ever go away. Um, yeah. yeah the, the best thing that I could do sometimes is eliminate my job. Hey, it's Valley Matos on Packaging Unbox Podcast. Today, we're talking to Brent Lindbergh from Fusio. He's the founder. He's the lead designer. These guys do amazing work from Fiji Water, Amazon, Starbucks to Tropicana. These guys do some really cool packaging beyond what you typically see on shelf. We're going to get into sustainability, concept development, materials, pretty much everything you need to know about packaging. And you get to hear us kind of hammer out what you would need to do if you were going to redesign some of the world's worst packaging, which is bacon packaging. Great episode. I enjoyed making this with Brent. Somebody told me I should bulk record all these episodes. So I did that. I'm not digging it. This episode was actually recorded a few months ago. Um, as part of those bulk process, I finally got to releasing this one. So I'm sorry that it took so long to get to it, but I'm really excited to bring this one to you because Brent brings a lot of great information. He's hilarious. Check him out. Find him on LinkedIn. Find him on YouTube. They do unboxings. One unboxing they did that I think is hilarious is they did an entire car that arrived on a pallet from India or China. I can't remember what it was. Super fun. I think if you're a designer and you're learning about packaging, start ordering stuff, go to stores, buy stuff just for the packaging, unbox it, learn how people are doing things. It's really important. If you're a professional designer, do it because you're going to find inspiration in all these different areas. Just the way that Brent does. I do this as well. I order tons of packaging for all sorts of stuff because I want to see how things are being packaged, how people are coming up with these concepts. If you've learned anything from previous episodes, if you're going to learn something from this episode, do me a favor, go to YouTube and subscribe. Just a quick sponsor note, idpdirect.com. Check these guys out. They do factory direct packaging. If you're ordering packaging from a distributor, why not just cut that distributor out and go straight to the factory and order packaging from them, right? IDP direct makes retail bags, gift boxes, e-commerce packaging. They do all this stuff in-house in their factories across the world. Check them out. IDPdirect.com. The other sponsor that I think is important for you to know is specright.com. If you've got a brand with hundreds of SKUs of packaging, it's important to know all the specifications of all the packaging because EPR laws are coming. They're already here in a bunch of different states. They're in a bunch of different countries. If you're importing your product into different countries or you're exporting it out of the US and there are EPR laws wherever it is that your product is going, they need to know the specifications of every single SKU going into their countries. Otherwise, you're going to be taxed. You're going to be fined. Guess what Specrite does? They collect all that information and they have it to you in seconds. It's going to save you hundreds of hours of data collection. Not only that, it makes it really easy to reorder your packaging and keep your packaging consistent. So check them out, specright.com. Let's get to the show. All right. So we're talking to, talking to Brent Lindbergh from Fusnio. Brent, man, thanks so much for hopping on My here. Pleasure. How's it going? It's going well. <laughs> it's a gloomy day, but it's cheery in here. Yeah. 100%, dude. It's always cheery with you. Um, what? Where, where are you guys? <laughs> We're outside of Chicago. <laughs> Studios uh, about right. 30 miles west of, of downtown Chicago. What does Fusnio do? Fusnio is a uh, material and process agnostic packaging design firm. So, you know, we help mm -hmm. brands wrestle with um, sometimes it's super large meta challenges about, you know, around reusable packaging or around sustainability or um, just efficiencies and things like that. And uh, so helping mm -hmm. them reinvent and redesign packaging. 
Wow. So you're agnostic, so you don't believe in Jesus. I guess I, I <laughs> agnostic. I'm undecided as apparently. <laughs> right. So, so from uh, um, all right. So it does a, so is it that you've got experience in all different materials? You've got different people on your team that kind of handle different materials, or like how does that, how does that really yeah. come into play? You know, we've got a team made up of uh, of of industrial designers, graphic designers, and packaging mm-hmm. engineers um, that have really, and we've worked in, yeah, just about every area of packaging um, across mm-hmm. all different things from consumer electronics to toys to food and beverage and, and chemicals and um, even large bulky things like televisions and treadmills. <laughs> um, and the the materials that we have to really tap into are are vast you know you you go to a and i i came from this world so i actually started on the the manufacturing side of the world in blow molding and mm. you you know people would come in and say hey what should i do with my beef jerky sticks and you're like uh, right. put it in a bottle because we sell bottles right like it's <laughs> it's what we do yeah. and that was i like it was a great company i loved it it was it was amazing but that was my challenge was like it's not the right thing for this brand the right thing for this brand might be flexible it's the right thing for this brand might be in in paper yeah. the right thing might be in actually stamped metal or you know like there's just so many different places to go that when you know, when I was living in the world of, of, of one one or two materials and one process, it was uh, we couldn't yeah. really wasn't always um, you know with selfless intent. It couldn't it can't be on the manufacturing mm-hmm. side. I know for me, like and being in like the paper side on uh, you know rigid board, you know molded fiber like paper like that area, I do find myself sometimes telling a brand, hey, you know. If you're looking for a, from a sustainability standpoint, maybe this isn't the right solution for this particular project. Um, at least today, it seems like it's a lot easier to do where you can say no to a, uh, a particular client and say, this isn't the right application. It seems to actually build your business more today to be able to say that um, when you're in a particular industry. Just from a, you know, I, I, it's, it's so different today than it was before. Right? Yeah, I, I think the what we've seen, and again, man, having haven't done this for 25 years and the um if you're on the manufacturing side your your job is to is to sell and and produce and so even if it's not the right thing and you might say hey this isn't ideal but this is how we would do it it still might be the path of least resistance for a brand just to say oh we've already got a relationship with you sure let's just go we're this far along and it's like well you know um and, and so you know even if even if a bottle was the right thing for that brand, we're going to design a <laughs> bottle that runs on one of our lines and uses our material. Like it, it it's just mm-hmm. that like, if it's something that's a little bit different, that was really the right thing for the brand. It helps in these ways. Like it's just, it's hard. You, you have to deal with those, those, yeah. e- those internal conflicts. And I think that was, um, that's not ultimately why I left and, and, and I, I wasn't, conflicted by that but it was a challenge that we had i had to face mm-hmm. being on that side of the world and um and then being able to step outside of that and say all right we don't we aren't beholden to any one process or any one supplier um let's be the advocate directly for the brand to say hey what's the right thing for you now let's go figure out who can make that happen um yeah you know so that's kind of 
we jump pretty deep into the weeds there pretty quick, but that's <laughs> that's a little bit of the ethos <laughs> to what, like why I started yeah. the firm and why you know why we do what we do. In terms of like who you're working with, you guys work with Amazon. You guys work uh, like Fiji Water. You you do a ton. Like you like you said, you pretty much do. You can tackle anything. I can't remember if this is just now or like the previous conversation we had, but in terms of like the size of the clients you're working with, who do you have to be to to come in and work with you now? You know, we work, we try and work with a lot of, of different types of companies. Um, most of our companies I would say are in kind of that, you know, that fortune 500, they're usually large global brands, um, in -hmm. a lot of different spaces because their, their packaging challenge is usually scale, right? Their, their sustainability challenges are, are like, they can't use real obscure things because they've got to do it times hundred million. Um, and yeah. so, uh, yeah, our brands are usually larger. Um, we'll take on a couple, a few, two, three, um, small brands a year and, you know, and, and small usually means in the, still in the several millions, the many millions that it's like, <laughs> we're, we're now yeah. like at a point where we are thinking about scale and, and, and growing and, and doing some of those things. Um, yeah, that's that's typically where where brands pick us up. When they're really small, a lot of times it's just they mm-hmm. work with a supplier that they've got a relationship with that can make a small amount of something and and they're kind of they're kind of stuck with that process just because they don't have the the funds to necessarily go out and yeah. um and and really reinvent or do something bigger. If I'm a brand I come to you like how what's the working process? Like what's that uh What's like the onboarding and, and, and what's the expectation? Um, I mean, the so there's kind of a whole process that we go through without going super deep mm-hmm. through it. The um, really it's 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 kind of what you would expect with hopefully any any supplier mm-hmm. relationship that you have. You know, you got you're, you're dating. <laughs> um, we're learning mm-hmm. what makes them tick, what's really valuable to them, where the challenges are, um, kind of what the ethos of the brand is. We're we're learning those things together. They're they're learning about who we are and and and, and the types of, of things that we've done and what we do. But it's really more about us us learning about them. Um, and, uh, and from there we start to frame together, what does this relationship look like? Is this a, you call us when you need help? Is this, we're always on call? Is mm-hmm. this a project specifically that we're going to go tackle? And, um, and then we, you know, we scope and frame that up and, and then that process begins of a, of a project or a, uh, or, or some type of retainer where we are, um, systematically really helping them go through a process. We've got these 4P process and some other things that we take brands through that really, um, that really make sure we are understanding the entire pipeline of packaging from how it's produced to ultimately how it's disposed of. Um, and so, yeah, that's like a super crash course into how a brand works with us. But yeah, yeah if I'm coming in to work with Fusio, like, why am I picking you? Like, how have I found you? And why are you, th- why are you the team to, to work with? <laughs> uh, you know, first of all, how have you found us? Um, we are probably not the best at being found always. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and there's, it's not, 
intentional and malicious way. But, you know, at the same time, uh, you know, we want brands that really need us to find us. Um, yeah. And so a lot of it still is word of mouth um, amongst large brands. And, uh, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's companies like Amazon that we work with will certainly connect us up with brands all over the place or, or different things. But the, um, yeah, a, a lot of it's kind of word of mouth. And then, uh, you know, we get invited to kind of speak at a lot of different events where these brands are at. And, um, Occasionally, people will find us on Google, which is, as always, amuses me when somebody's like, oh, I just, I've been searching for days and I stumbled upon you guys. But, uh, but yeah, I think whether it's a supplier that introduces them to us or, or some mm-hmm. other way, that's, that's typically how most people find us. The reason I reached out to you was uh, I was talking to the Tropicana team and you guys did this mimosa spray, <laughs> right? So it's not just. Right. So if I want to work with Fusio, it's not just that I need to ship a product, you know, product A from point A to point B and get it on shelf and get clients to see it. Like you guys are doing some pretty fun stuff like this mimosa spray. And if, and if anybody's listening, you haven't seen it, I'll, I'll have a, a, video, a picture of it and video of it on, on, on the YouTube. But like, how does that, how does that come about? Like, where does that even generate? Yeah. Well, I mean, we, you know, we had a, a, a relationship with, PepsiCo when Tropicana was owned by PepsiCo Mm -hmm. and um, some of those people kind of carried over when PepsiCo got or when Tropicana got spun off as the Tropicana Brands Group in the last couple of years. Um, But we had done a lot of the structural design work on the bottles um, that are out there today, the the bottles that you drink out of. And so they they identified this uh, this kind of um, social uh, thing that was happening where people were actually putting orange juice into just an off the shelf spray bottle and spritzing it in. It was, you know, this, it was humorous, right? <laughs> this whole kind of uh, yeah. viral trend that was going on. And, and they said, we should be in front of that. I mean, we should be the ones that are doing this and, and having the most fun with it. And so um, it, they had gone out and kind of said, Hey, we want to design a new trigger and we want to design this. And, and the suppliers are like, you guys realize this is like a, you know, 12 month process and it costs X number of millions of dollars <laughs> to do something like this. And this is just right. way out there. Um, and you know, every kind of path that they turned down, it was, they were getting shut down and, uh, they, the team just finally reached back to me and said, Hey, we're like, we're not getting anywhere with our supply base. Like that. What do we do? Yeah. It's like, well, this isn't like what you're talking about. is not a scalable, uh, like the, this, the social piece of it, this isn't like something that you're going to go full bore with and like make them and sell them and, you know, build a whole business <laughs> out of this is, this is something. So we got yeah. to approach it completely different than a supplier would. And yeah, yeah it's commercial. this isn't commercial. This is the prototypes. I mean, ultimately we built prototypes, um, and a limited number of them. I don't know if they've disclosed how many are out there, mm-hmm. but it's not many. Uh, yeah. and the, so we had to approach it from that lens, but the, the, the challenge was, Hey, how do we, uh, capitalize and, and really play with this trend and what's the right way to do it as Tropicana. And so we started playing with like, well, how, how do we vary the amount of orange juice we dispense? And, you know, we'd had to design these like perfume puffers <laughs> and these like little 
dosing droppers and things like that. We had just <laughs> kind of done a whole spectrum of designs yeah. that um, of ways that that we could like very tiny amounts, or as we called it, like a hint or a whisper of uh, of OJ all the way to like, okay, I actually want some OJ taste. Um, <laughs> and so we just, you know, designed a spectrum of things and then uh, landed on on one of those designs for a handful of reasons and and then ultimately prototyped, um, you know, the the set like of, of, of samples that went out into the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it started with just this fun challenge. And, you know, what what is the right way to do? It? We don't know. It's not a, one material like we were looking at glass droppers and little plastic straws and vials and rubber puffers like it's it's not a a material thing it's a it's a packaging challenge i wanted to deliver a product i need to store a product display a product like whatever it's a packaging Mm -hmm. challenge and so um yeah we approached it like any other packaging project so what do you actually get right like the, the few people that are getting it the influencers that are getting I'm, I'm assuming you're is it like a is it a lid that screws on and it's the same kind of lid that you have on the current bottles like, yep it it, it is actually it is the same as the current lid we took production lids and then mm-hmm. uh, integrated a, a a pump sprayer um like a food safe pump sprayer and then designed kind of all new housing and, and components around it to we, you can dial in there's like three settings on it to vary the amount of spray that comes <laughs> out and um but yeah it is it's actually you, you take off the current cap on the little 12 ounce bottles and you screw um this new one this on. new one on dude that is awesome it's awesome i saw that uh, yeah as soon as i saw it i reached out and i'm like dude this is hilarious <laughs> Um, but you know, people, when people think about packaging, they think about like product packaging, retail packaging, e-com, um, but there's so much more like this is packaging, but it's, you know, a viral component to, uh, to a branding exercise, like to, a um, a bigger commercial conversation. Um, what other kinds of things are, are, are you guys done or like, you know, what's like, you know, what else have you done that I think would have the same level of impact? Yeah. I mean, you're right. Like, I don't think people totally understand the scope and scale of packaging. Um, it, it happens at the industrial level all the way down to the to the retail level. It's it's the the vessel that transports products. It's how things get delivered and consumed. Mm-hmm. It's the you know um, the, as we dive into our challenges, like some of the things we work on is how does Disney eliminate waste in parks from the way that people eat food to the way that people consume yeah. products. The way like those are those are packaging challenges right all those things are packaging pieces all the things that we interact with yeah. inside of an amusement park are this packaging and so um you know how does a company like google ship servers around the world and 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 and, and deal with those types of like that's it's a packaging challenge it's a totally different scale you're dealing with automation and reusable systems yeah. and things like that but um like to us those are all they all have packaging we we have these these four P's, you know, these produce, produce, protect, present, perform, and this like those are all like if you think about all the things that packaging does, um, and all the different like if you just look at all the different things around you, you just realize really how much packaging there is out there that you're interfacing with that you don't really maybe think of as packaging. Even we've been right. doing a, a decent amount of stuff lately, even in like you know pharma spaces and uh, and things like that you apply deodorant 
that's packaging that, right. that it holds and, and, and the way that you use it and open it and, and, and apply it or like it's, it's where device meets packaging, but it's packaging. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's, it's so vast. It's so fun. The different areas that we can get into one day it's, it's tennis shoes and the next day it's ice cream. And, um, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> So, so you've got, all right. So you do a ton of, you do a bunch of videos, you do a bunch of unboxing videos on, that you share on, online. I see them all over uh, LinkedIn all the time. All right. You guys, you guys did a, a car once. I remember you, you unboxed a car. Yeah. I think we're going to do a follow up on that pretty um, soon. That car has been uh, modified a little bit. <laughs> you guys driving that thing around. That was so funny. Um, what do you learn from, all right. So what are you learning from all of these unboxings? Are, are, are these brands that you're working no, with? No, not always. There's and then like what do you occasionally. Learn? In fact, I, like okay. our focus is it, it's not always on the stuff that we're working with. It shouldn't be. We shouldn't be that caught up in ourselves yeah. that we're just talking about what we do. Um, but, you know, occasionally we'll, we'll do one, but I would say we've maybe only done a couple that are ones that we actually designed. Um, the, uh, even our conference room, like our, our, our conference room is full of samples of people like, Oh, you did all this stuff. I was like, no, I hope not. Like we've got <laughs> shelves out in our studio that show some of the cool stuff we've done. Yeah. Like we want to be inspired by stuff that we didn't do. We want to be inspired by other right. categories and industries and all these other things. And so the, the video has kind of started from a couple of things. One, just this fascination with seeing how things were done. Um, and, and sometimes like you get into a category, Hey, we're going to be doing apparel. All right, well, let's order a bunch of apparel stuff in and see what happens. Well, once you do, you start to see cool stuff that's going on out there. And so um, that you may be, would have never touched. It might be a small brand. It might be international whatever that you you maybe hadn't experienced. Mm -hmm. And so part of it was kind of that. And then the other piece of it was like, it's really just about educating. How can we like, like open people's minds to be thinking about packaging. Oh, I had I never really thought about it like that before. Like I hear it all the time. Like, Oh, after I've watched your videos, I like go through the store and I'm like looking at stuff differently now. Or I, I think differently about how, when I do go to the recycling bin, how I'm, you know, sorting my stuff and, and, and perfect. Like we're, we're helping people think about sustainability. We're helping people like, just realize <laughs> in a very, very different way, like those nature documentaries, right? Like where you you're like, <laughs> wow, I didn't realize a flower looked like that. If you look super close and in depth and it, it, right. in a super twisted way, packaging's very similar. People just don't realize that when they toss it in their cart and they bring it home or it shows up on their doorstep, um, there's a whole lot of thought and engineering and intentionality that goes into that. You've got uh, packaging design, prototyping and testing. I'm not hiring you to prototype stuff. Like that's just part of the process, right? No, there are actually like, people who just call I? us to say, Hey, I need, yeah. Really? Yep. Yep. We get calls pretty frequently. Um, we, from the moment I started the company, prototyping was a huge piece. I think prototyping is an essential mm-hmm. piece to like making decisions and helping drive the process. And so yeah. we've invested in some pretty extensive prototyping capabilities and now we've got a our studio is more shop than it is studio. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we can get out there and MIG weld, TIG weld, plasma cut, machine, cast, <laughs> thermo, like we can go out and do like all these crazy things. And, um, and so we've, we've built huge competency around that. Um, but yeah, we get brands all the time. Um, 
sometimes even fun like oh hey we're doing a video shoot actually we just we just did one the other day for this <laughs> uh i don't think we publicized it um but craft foods did this really cool black garlic mayo launch and they did this thing mm -hmm. in the transylvania forest of germany on <laughs> halloween like it was it was so good that even vampires can't resist this like black garlic mayo and so they like they reached out and like hey can we like quick model up and prototype these this cap instead of having one like valve in the middle it's got two for like fangs <laughs> and so, you know, we'll get sometimes these bizarre like TV requests. Oh, we, you know, we're kind bar and we're, we're doing a television commercial and we, we need stuff that's not glossy, but it's like a satin finish. So the lights aren't shining off of it. It's got some of the regulatory removed wow. and things like that. So yeah, we wind up doing a decent amount of like straight up prototyping. Wow. But, that, but those are brands that you're already working with or they're calling no, some you of them and just that's find the us for prototyping. That yeah. Wow. And then. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that's a great, that's a great door opener, right? Cause now you've worked with them and now you can sell them packaging design. Yeah. I mean, if that's, if that's what they need, right. I, I I'm a, I'm a bad sales At some person. Point. Um, I, I think <laughs> they, we at least have, have built a relationship. They know who they can turn to. And I think at the end of the day, we want to yeah. be, uh, we want to be somebody that people rely on. And if, you know, it, and it's like mm -hmm. that call that came from craft was like, Hey, I didn't know who to call but I figured you'd be able to help us out and you could figure it out for us. And yeah, like we will, yeah. we'll figure it out. Um, which was similar to the Tropicana call, right? It was like, I, I don't know. I don't know where to go. It's so. Yeah. I've tried all, I tried all the uh, options and I'm yeah, down hopefully to we're not the last resort. Right. But, right. <laughs> um, so yeah, it is, it, it is a good intro for us to, to build a relationship with brands. And, and if there's an opportunity to support mm -hmm. around the road, you know, would love to help. Um, but yeah, it's, awesome. it's a pretty active uh, piece of what we do, um, helping brands that maybe they've done some graphics and it's on, it's on flexible mm -hmm. or it's a paperboard box or whatever, like whatever it is, they, they just want to visualize it and they want to take, do photography of it. They want to do something. Um, so yeah, mm -hmm. we, we do that. That's, that's actually how we interface with some of the smallest brands. You're material agnostic. Then how do you approach sustainability? I'm sure that's a big com conversation point, uh, with your, with yeah. your clients. I, and I love it. I love this topic. Um, sustainability, it, it, it doesn't just have one face, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that's what's really important. These, there are different ways to, to tackle it. There's different ways to view it. And they're all moving in the right direction, but it's, just, it's, it's more than one, one facet. You know, you, you've got brands that say, hey, uh, it's all about recycling. And we want everything to be curbside recyclable. You've got a lot of large brands that have committed to that. Hey, everything needs to be curbside recyclable. Well, that's great. Um, but then you've got brands over on the other side that say, hey, we think recycling is broken. We think the whole idea is, is less material. Well, that's where a lot of like the, the films right. and flexibles industry lives. And then you've got people that are like, oh, no, plastics in general are the devil and we want to get out of plastics. And, and, <laughs> And I would say, you know, there are, they all have their, their merits to them. Um, we don't have materials that aren't plastic that can, that can preserve 
or, uh, or, or keep medical products safe in a way that like, we just don't, don't have materials that exist that aren't plastic in some of those cases. And so we got to do the right thing. And, you know, everybody wants their chips and their bread to be fresh. And like at the end of the day, the plastics are allowing us to do that. So let's not treat plastics as the devil. Let's, let's figure out like what the merits are of materials and use them wisely, use the amount of them wisely. And if you're a brand who says, Hey, I, I believe that, uh, that's that recycling is the way to go. Well, then you should be investing in the recycling ecosystem and infrastructure, right? You should be teaching consumers how to recycle. You should be doing that stuff. If you're somebody who says, Hey, I think recycling is broken, then you should be doing everything in your power to reduce the amount of material that you're using, and um, and looking at alternative streams from composting to uh, to films collection and things like that. That's what you should be investing in and teaching consumers. So I just we don't believe one way is the right way. We think it's it it aligns yeah. with brands' values and what they can physically do, um, and then uh, helping them go down that road. I just I just spoke to uh, Ava Lagarde, who's with a, a team called Resources uh, out of out of France, and. You know, we were just talking about how like Chanel is currently investing. So like this is the first time like they're actually taking funds and investing them on waste stream collection and purification of materials, right? Because then that way they can use the materials. So like it's glass collection, and they're they're now separating glass in either white, clear, or colored, right? And like for them, it's a benefit because they want recycled glass, and it needs to be either white or clear, so it gives them a pure form of the of the, of the yeah. material. But they're but they're putting their money where their mouth. And I think that's important. You know that like glass has been something that's gotten a really bad rap. Um, Like it it is Mm. infinitely recyclable. Now a lot of brands tint it and do some other things which affect the reusability and the value of it. Recycling is all about money. All of it is (laughs) there's money tied to the end of it. Like it has to have value to be recyclable. And um, glass is one of those things that. You know, there was there was a lot of push to, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of recyclers that have stopped taking it because it's contaminating paper streams and it's doing other things. And so there's actually a lot of, of recycling uh, infrastructure that's not even taking glass anymore. Um, so if you're somebody who believes in glass, it's the right thing for you and for your business that you absolutely should be investing into that ecosystem and infrastructure. Yeah, I know when I did a, a tour, uh, a Murph tour here on, on the podcast, like the, the big one with glass was... We don't accept it because it just shatters yep. throughout the process and it, it costs more money to clean it up than it actually will make in return. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, you know, and, and as a consumer, you don't think about it. You're like, oh yeah, if that shit falls from, you know, a 20 foot machine, it's going to shatter and then somebody's got to clean it up. It's yeah. It's I, the, the things that people don't realize, um, uh, you know, behind the scenes with, with packaging and the, the impact and the, um, yeah, the, you know, that's that's one of glass's big challenges is their safety and weight and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. But you know it has its merits. It's got its place. One hundred percent. And uh, I think that's super important to understand where that belongs. Uh, the other eye-opening thing for me on doing like that actual tour of the Murph was, you know, I used to shred all my stuff and then put it like in a Trader Joe's yep. paper bag and put it in my. I'm like, dude, I'm I'm halfway there. I'm helping them out. And when we did the tour, they're like, we shred don't take shredded well, paper. No. And they showed the ground, like the ground, and it was like a confetti party just exploded everywhere from people putting shreds up. And they're like, it doesn't make it through the process. We got to clean it up. It costs money to staff yeah. people. You're not Don't helping anybody. Don't recycle your shreds, people. 
Yeah. Yeah. Shreds actually, <laughs> you just, know, some you know, of the it, things that people don't realize that, uh, actually a lot of those, you know, um, like acetate boxes and things like that, people will throw in, you get a lot mm -hmm. of those, those clear plastic boxes for people who aren't familiar. Um, yeah. they're they're beautiful on shelf and and they again they have their place uh they they've packed flat a lot of times those will wind up going through and getting yeah. sorted off with paper so flat sheets of plastic wind up getting sorted with paper and and you know contaminating that stream having to get to get sifted out so there's you have all these kind of cross contaminations and and that's i think that's what we've have to help brands wrestle with and 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 try and mm -hmm. sift through is what are these uh, downstream impacts of of these decisions that we're going to make um you know whether that be through fulfillment or through the recycling process um totally random fascinating story but um speaking of things that you don't realize you know people are like oh my my uh bottle leaked when it got to my house right you know we've, we've got this huge thing in e-commerce with liquids and there was, was the mm -hmm. story of uh a, i won't say whether it was ups or fedex or one one of the major deliveries where put yourself in the shoes of a of an associate at the at the fulfillment or the uh distribution operation right you walk by you see a puddle on the floor it's clear liquid yeah is it bodily fluids is it radioactive <laughs> is it caustic is it right. like do you reach down and wipe it up or do you call a hazmat team and have to shut the entire plant down like you, you don't they don't know you don't know like but the, by yeah. the time they see a puddle on the floor the box is probably already on a truck somewhere moved off and and, and we yeah. just don't understand the impact of of something simple like that in packaging like uh, like a leaky bottle or a, a, a flat piece of plastic or like it's stuff that sounds trivial but at the end of the day the impact that it can have is is massive that's the part where we as designers and you know brands it's like you have to take the time to educate the consumer and not just take the time to educate them, but they don't necessarily want to take the time either. So you have to make it like really obvious and really simple. Yeah. Or entertaining. You know? <laughs> Which right. is, again, you know, it's, yeah, it's like you, you got to yeah, grab That's kind of why we, yeah. again, one of the big reasons that we had started that, that uh, video series was if we can try and make it fun and engaging and, and talk about recyclability or talk about like challenges, you know, um, mm the things that people always complain about the things that people hate. Oh, I hate opening these plastic things. Well, like why are they yeah. that way? Like what's made them that way? Let's, and I'm not going to make you hate them less maybe, but at least give you an understanding of it. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah. So I think educating people through entertaining is, is something that I find a lot of joy in. <laughs> all right. So if we were going to, all right. So if we're, if we are tasked to design to redesign some of the most hated packaging on the planet. Uh, what's the process, right? We're redesigning bacon packaging. Bacon packaging. What? What's the process like? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How I do you mean, start? You start by consuming just ridiculous amounts of bacon. That's where you start. <laughs> do, do, <laughs> any do good anyway, project right? so, starts with <laughs> a lot of bacon. I mean, any good project starts with a lot of bacon consumption. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, the 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 first part needs to start with 
with the a lot of people would say, oh, it's, it's all about the consumer. It is not all about the consumer. The consumer is an important piece of right. this. It's just as much about the brand because if the brand can't make it affordably. If the brand can't produce it efficiently, if the brand can't do something, then it's never even going to make it to the shelf. People can't make money on it if, you know, if it's, if it doesn't get to the shelf. Oh. So like it, it's about understanding that entire supply process, right? Like we need to understand um, why do consumers hate it right now? What are the pain points of it right now? And then mesh that over mm -hmm. the top of how is it made right now? And, and, and what kind of flexibility is there within the, the, the systems that the, that the brand is using, right? Like let's do, go do a plant tour. Let's see how, let's, let's see how the bacon's made. Let's bring home some bacon. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and, um, and and so it really starts with understanding and and mapping the entire process, um, and then it starts with the whole what if. That's the that's the sexy part of the process, right? Where the designers get in, we sketch some really cool stuff, and and think of all different things. We we look at adjacent industries. Well, how does this industry deal with this thing? That's is it the slime? Mm -hmm. Is it the 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 resealability? <laughs> like, what is it that I'm that I don't like? And um, and so, yeah, it's it's about exploring wide and uh, and, and sketching deep, and then um, coming back and, and working with the brand to say, all right, here's some ideas: what's working, what's not working, how do we do this, and mm -hmm. um, involving people at all different parts of the process, right? Like, talk to the consumer, great, I think that's a given, but go talk to the plant. Um, yeah. One of my favorite things to do. Uh, in fact, I, I'm, I, tomorrow I get to go do it again. Is 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 go with a couple people from our team, go to a plant when we're kicking off a project. Mm -hmm. And my request is give us the smartest person in the plant for two hours. And everybody mm -hmm. knows, like every plant has that lady or that guy I've been around <laughs> that, that for twenty person, years. Yeah. They like they know everything, <laughs> and you can just grill them. You're like, well. Why do you do it that way? Oh, well, there was a project like six years ago where we were going to move this <laughs> and move that. And so that thing wound up over there and a the project never came. But it's like the, like those things are, are really where you unlock gold in in this process because you find out like what mm -hmm. is and what isn't flexible, what is and what isn't sacred. And um, and you can start to learn like where do you have flexibility? Like most if not all brands can never say, hey, we're just going to throw the entire operation out and start from scratch. Like we can't ignore what's happening and how it's done right now. And then let's understand the rest of the supply chain. Well, how does bacon get delivered and how does bacon get displayed and retailed? And, you know, like, so um, that's, that's a very important piece to the ideation process and then to ultimately vetting ideas through. Um, and then we're going to refine some stuff. We're going to prototype some things and then we're going to make some more bacon. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, a, a super crash course through the, through the process, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's important to make, it's, it's important to do plant tours, right? Cause you, you, like you said, you, you find out, what is and what isn't sacred. Um, you definitely learn as a designer a, a ton just of like why things are the way they are. And, you know, if you're a young designer, you get a chance to go and do a plant tour for any product that you're working on, like take it, um, you know, put on the, the safety shoes and the, you know, all the stuff that you got to do to go through these plants and just ask all the questions. Cause it's going to make you a better designer, not just on this project, but on future projects, right? Like it's like you're starting to build, all of this experience that you can lean on for future, for future things. Yeah, and I, you know, people, 
people always have their own perspective, right? Like you think things should be designed around the way that you're using it or you're interacting with it. You don't understand how right. much other things are involved in, in the process. I think yeah. it, as a designer, it opens your eyes to um, like, man, the first time you step into a plant that's running bottles that you literally can't see without a strobe light. <laughs> and you're like, you know, like, why can't you like change a little radius? Why can't you tweak these little things? And then you walk into this thing and go, like just literally faster yeah. than you can see it. You go, oh, I get it. Like, yeah, that makes <laughs> that, sense. Yeah. That checks yeah. out. It's like, you just don't, you don't get it. it and, and I honestly, I, Coming from the manufacturing side of the world, where I spent the first mm -hmm. decade of my career, I I was that obnoxious designer that was constantly pushing. And there were a lot of times <laughs> where, you know, my, the team around me was awesome. They were like, "Brent, fine, go do it. Uh, try it. <laughs> but you're going to go out on the line and process it. You're going to be there, mm -hmm. and the you know, and the process engineers are going to be swearing at you for designing this thing." Um, mm -hmm. But it was it was great experience, great exposure. Uh, but it was it it really helped me build an empathy for the the manufacturing operations. Um, it, it helped me mm -hmm. build that that confidence. Like they want to do cool stuff, but at the same time, they don't want to hate their jobs every day because you've made this process so small and miserable that all they're doing is fighting, and they look bad because the machine's not running. And like it's just. They want to do cool things, but they, yeah. they don't want to do it at the cost of their own sanity and their own jobs, their bonuses that are based off of performance. Like it's it, yeah. so building that empathy with the with manufacturing side of the world as a designer is to me one of the most valuable things that you can do. Hundred percent. And you know, I think in the early stages of design, if you're already thinking, all right, we've got to run it through this particular process or this plant has to run it. Um, for me, it's always having that conversation with with the guy, you know, with the guys or, or women that are running the equipment, um, and just be like, Hey, what have you seen? You know, what, what have you seen? How can we push this machine? Because they're running it. They're experienced from a completely different perspective and they can, they might come back and say, Oh, you know what I would do is I would change this. Uh, you know, I would change this radius, this heat seal process by one, two, three, and it's going to make my job easier and it'll reduce this much material. Like they, they're thinking about it all day long, right? Like they have ideas too. And uh, you know, you can't kind of, you can't discount anybody in the development process. No. And I, you know, I think our job as designers is, you know, at least the way that I, that we talk amongst our team, it's, it's not to be the people who think of the craziest, wildest things and, and, you know, and design yeah. the sexy, uncomfortable chairs that nobody wants to sit in. Um, our job <laughs> as designers is really bridging a lot of things, right? Like we've got, we need to understand the constraints over here and the desires over here and all these different things and, and, and find those bridges, you know, like the plant's going to want this thing round and black and, you know, whatever, like, so it runs easily, yeah. but the consumer wants it like, tetrahedron and crystal colored and whatever, <laughs> like, you know, we've yeah. got to figure out how to bridge those two, those two worlds. It's not just about only appeasing the plant side and it's not just about appeasing mm -hmm. the customer. It's about finding something that, you know, is the least compromised, but the most effective across all those. That's, that's really our job as designers. And that's, uh, that's what makes it so challenging. Is if, if I'm yeah. designing literally just so, something that needs to look pretty, that's 
man, anybody can do that. Not anybody, but like that's easy. If I've got to design something that looks pretty yeah. and runs effectively and efficiently, and plants love it, like that. Now you're that's hard. Yeah, that that's a specialty, right? That's that's not what anybody can do. Um, so as we start wrapping up, man, looking kind of to the to the future here, are you? Are you guys looking at uh, AI for anything? Um, are you guys using it? Are you guys playing with it? Or is that not even on the table at the moment? Man, I, AI has its place. Uh, le- um, just kind of like mm-hmm. like any other material and process. It's a it's a tool. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think mm-hmm. um, you know, there's some really cool stuff on the AI side of the world that. Uh, you know, generative design, things like that, um, that has some incredible engineering applications. And there's really some some sexy things that can be designed by it. Um, but, you know, I think it's I think it's a tool. I think it has its applications. And I think AI mm-hmm. design with supervision is our role as a designer is to, if we're going to incorporate AI, it's to understand where AI makes sense. And when I, AI is doing something that is beneficial and when it's not, um, so being that screen, that filter that says, all right, that was a good idea. Now let's build on that. Let's make sure that it's commercializable. Let's do these things with it. So I think um, it absolutely has its place. And I think it's going to continue to have a role in um, in certain categories and certain aspects. But, um, you know, it, will it get smart enough to to rule out the human factor? I, I don't think so. I think it's going to be just like robots. Or you're going to work alongside humans and they're going to make things more efficient and do the stuff that we don't want to do um, and uh, and come up with ideas and, and things that we may not have thought of. So, uh, yeah, I see it as a, as a potentially very powerful tool. Yeah, it's, it's, super, it's super crazy. I know the guys over at, um, at Pactora, uh, which is like a template template website, pactora.com. Those guys like, you know, you type in some sizes and stuff. They're working on uh, for next year to release like an adaptive component to it, right? So if you've got, you know, if you've got one box design, all of a sudden now you've got 10 sizes of the same thing, you just plug it in. It'll create all the dial lines for those other sizes and move all the artwork around. And it's not going to be perfect, but it streamlines the shitty part of the job, right? Where you're like, now I've got to move, you know, I've got to adjust these sizes. I've got to move these things around. And it like... Like that is like one use case that I'm like, dude, that's that's amazing. Like that just saved me. Totally you know, belongs now. You got to be like something that has to happen is you got to be very very good mm-hmm. at evaluating those, right? Like like being critical and, right. and saying, oh, did that move? Did it skew? Did it do something else? Like if all the mm-hmm. rules aren't perfect in the way that that AI is applying right. its logic, like it can make things more painful than it was worth because you've got to now go to each of those and like tweak little things and move all sorts of tiny stuff around. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's absolutely a, a great case for, for where AI belongs. Yeah. And I was talking to an, uh, an agency in, in Long Beach that they created their own, and this was a couple of years ago, they actually created their own system that they had taught through um, uh, just inputting their own designs into it and creating like their own style. So a brand comes to them and they can, kind of plug in the information and it would already generate like general ideas with, you know, scale of image, logo position, just based on best practices and what was working in the market. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's just crazy to see it to the level it is now where you can just create something out of nothing. Um, but in terms of like a tool, there's, 
a lot of applications. Yeah, I think for us. it's it's going to be a lot easier to adopt it on the graphics side of the of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Like the um that's that's just a little bit easier. The structural side of the world, it can it can create and generate ideas and designs, um, but ultimately mapping in um, some of the specific constraints and understanding and and nuance. Um, like it's just, it's not going to have that for, for quite some time. And so, um, yeah, I think there's places where it's going to happen a lot faster than others for sure. Yeah, for sure, man. So let's kind of wrap it up here. I know you got a busy day today, dude. Brent, I appreciate it. What's your, I don't know. What's the most controversial thought you've got on the packaging? most controversial thought I have on packaging? <laughs> what's, what's the quote I can clip here where people are like, Oh my God, this guy's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, at, at at some point, you know, my job is to get rid of my job. My job is to is to simplify packaging and, and reduce and, and eliminate packaging where necessary. And but I don't think my job will ever go away. Um, yeah, yeah. The the best thing that I could do sometimes is eliminate my job. Dude, that's you know, it's funny because that's um, a something approach that I've taken where it's like my job is going to be eliminated at some point. Let me be the one to do it. <laughs> you know, let me be the one to find out how it's going to happen. You know, I, I released a book on dye lines, I don't know, like seven years ago or something like that, which had, I don't know, like 5 million downloads and people in like the manufacturing side, people in the design, they're like, why did you do this? Why'd you do it for free? Um, and it was like, dude, people are looking for these dye lines. You know, I don't want people to call me to, Hey, can you create this for me? I'm like, dude, it's right here. Just take it. Um, don't call me. And I actually got more calls, right? It was like, Hey, how do you, you know, how'd you come up with this? How do you change this? How do you alter it? Uh, so it's, it's like, yeah, it's like you're trying to eliminate your job, but it's not no. going to get eliminated. You know, if, if you're the one pushing for, for that, people are going to come to you. So if anybody wants to reach out to you, man, what's the best place for them to contact you? Um, I mean, they can go to fuseneo.com, F-U-S-E-N-E-O, mm-hmm. or, um, or they can hit me up on LinkedIn. 